Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park We're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Give me a high five. All right, cut and print. Beautiful guys. Dynamite. from another planet. Well, I found out because he's not from this one. He must be from another one. Simply the best. The very best. Your MVP. Kobe Bryant. The Black Mamba. Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome to Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Last week, uh, we lost a a hero. I'm just going to go ahead and call him that. I've I really racked my brain trying to figure out how to walk this line because I saw a lot of people coming out and... Um, to some people, Kobe's a a, a, a polarizing figure. Um, I don't think enough time has passed for me to be able to get into his past and give my thoughts on that properly. So I'm going to take this time and this segment of this episode to um, give praise to Kobe Bryant. Uh, he, 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 he inspired a lot of people all around the country, all around the world. Um, he personified hard work and dedication to your craft and um, we weren't able to give him a proper send off last week because we got that information after we had already recorded so with us being here this week I wanted to take that time to give us both the opportunity to just kind of say our last farewells because this week has been rough as you can see we're kind of jumping into it I haven't even asked Fran how he's doing you know because I would assume me and Fran both love the sport of basketball with a passion. Um, so I would assume his week has been like my week, which has been, you know, melancholy and just almost a little disconnected, you know, because it's, it's, it's such a disbelief of what happened. So I wanted to give us the opportunity to just kind of give our thoughts on that before we 
continue to try to move on from what was an absolute tragedy. And uh, for those of who you're living under a rock, I don't know, live with fucking in, you know, Bikini Bottom under in Patrick's house. Uh, Kobe Bryant, along with his daughter, Gianna, uh, along with let me get these names. I want to show respect. But along with John Antebelli, Carrie Antebelli, Alyssa Antebelli, uh, Sarah Chester, Peyton Chester, Ara Zabayan and Christina Mauser perished in a uh, helicopter crash on the way to there were three children on the helicopter they were on the way to a uh, sports camp where they you know their children play games the plane crashed apparently it was a foggy day and they got disoriented in the air and the pilot you know couldn't tell up from down and uh, he crashed into the ground going however fast helicopters go um but we're gonna we're not gonna linger on that too long I wanted to talk about um what Kobe meant to me and I'll give Fran go ahead and say something to the people Fran I've been talking for a little bit give him give him say what's up to the folks man as far but to speak on yeah just speak I've been talking a long time people um, haven't heard your voice I know you know you got yeah. those Fran star people out there I don't want them to think you're not here yeah um matter of fact you go ahead and kick it, it off was, take it away let me what, what was, does Kobe mean to you how's this week been for you man it was um emotional for me because I feel like not only was he was he was older enough so he was one a basketball player that I looked up to yeah growing up so it was like you know you go out one of the moves like Kobe yell his name shooting and stuff like that but um as I got older it was more about him uh taking the role of being like a great father that absolutely he was to his kid so um for me it was just very emotional for me I hope I don't get emotional now, but um, just with the whole situation, I can't even imagine my son, not just Sophia, but my son getting older and not even know who I am. Like, Yeah. I wanted to, I actually wanted to dive deep, so I don't, I, I don't want you to get emotional, but I, yeah. I, it's just a perspective I don't have. And we make jokes on here all the time about, you know, when Sophia's old enough, we're going to, you know, yeah. get, get her out there on the court, put some cones up, get her into basketball and all these kind of things. Because I think Kobe was doing something really miraculous to me, which was, you know, everybody made these jokes. He even spoke about it a couple of times about, you know, because Kobe was just him and Vanessa were just having girls. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody's like, damn, man, you got you see LeBron James with Bronny out there and you're like, oh, that's crazy. Kobe, that's never going to happen. Yeah. And Gianna Bryant was absolutely was, she was, she was like, no, that's me. Yeah. I am. I'm, I'm his, his basketball child. Yeah. And, um, there's something that just shattered my heart about them dying, going to her, you know, doing what he loved, watching her do and being a, a sports dad and all this kind of stuff. And I just as a person who doesn't have kids, I just want to get your perspective on how that that part of it hit you as far as he, he had a daughter who loved basketball yeah. like he did and did his moves and studied the game and had favorite players. So it made him, he found a new love for the game. You know, yeah. like Kobe Bryant didn't give a shit about Trey Young. Yeah. But Gianna Bryant did. So Kobe's like, okay, well, let's go see Trey Young. You like Trey Young? Let's go. And yeah. they gave him this new... Love for the game for the young folks who he might not have reached out to if his daughter didn't love the game. So right. I just wanted to get that perspective from you as a guy who loves the game of basketball, who has a daughter, who, you know, hopes his daughter would love to play sports, and that yeah. gives them something to bond over. Mm-hmm. Kobe had that. So yeah. what, how did that hit you? It was rough, man. It was it was tough. Even I feel like even if, you know, 
just the relationship that you can see publicly that they had together was like you didn't see his that's she wasn't his older daughter. You didn't see his older daughter. Yeah. You didn't yeah. see the the third youngest or the third oldest one. Like it's just those two man, it was like that bond that they had that you see all the time in that video of them he trying to teach her the game watching yeah. that's a that, yeah. that video has a whole different meaning now than it did a month ago or whatever sure. that it came out before it was just dope yeah before it was like oh man that's cool it's sitting yeah. Kobe sitting sideline talking to it giving his game to the yeah. da- to the daughter it was it was you thought you'd see more of that yeah I think that's what hit me the hardest is that I thought that was dope yeah. But I was, I just, I thought there was, that was the scratch in the surface. I was like, this is going to, we're going to be seeing this for the next 10 years. Yeah. We're going to see her go to college and take over the W. It just, I didn't appreciate it. I thought it was dope when I saw it, but yeah. I didn't know that was going to be like the last yeah. thing you saw of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. You know? Nobody so, did. So, I mean, yeah. it was, it was just, it was fine till I left here, got home. And then Steph was like, you see this? I was like, wait, what? And the first thing I go to, the first thing I go to is Twitter, because once it's out, it's all over. You know, Absolutely. it's everywhere. Yeah, for sure. So I seen you. I'm like, yo, <laughs> no, yo. Like, yeah. This and then ever since then it's like I think I you, when you sit there and think you like, is this like is this kind of real? Is like yeah, this is not. You want it to be fake. This and this is, fake. is the second time that this happened because yeah. Nipsey Hustle, right after we got, I don't want to say it. Nipsey Hussle either died on a Saturday or a Sunday because yeah. it was literally you left here and I got home and you got home yeah. and texted me yeah. like, "Yo, did you see? Have you been on Facebook, Twitter?" And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "No, you, you know, you told me Nipsey yeah. was, you know, was killed." So it's this thing of this is twice now where these people who we, you know, we hold in high regard and have this respect for, but you almost it's like you don't appreciate them as much as you could because you're like. We got we got fifty years of this. Like Kobe that too, but Nipsey, he's gonna have five more albums. Yeah. Like Nipsey's dope, but I don't need to I don't need to praise Nipsey right now because Nipsey's Nipsey. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, 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 he'll but it's around. just it's it's different on the level they are because it's like for me it was like Kobe or like Kobe or LeBron or something like that. Tracy McGrady, who was another one of my favorite basketball players, like those people are like for me it's like those people are immortal. So it's like yeah. for that to happen to him was like it's like. It's like reality slapping you in the face. Like I mean, death goes. No, this. I don't. I don't wait. For, I don't know at any point. any plans. This. I don't. It can happen. What accolades you have, or it can happen to anybody. It's like that's when for me. It's like that's when my brain just go crazy, and it's like you ask a whole bunch of questions. Like why? It's like yeah. It's just it's 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 a mess, man. And like it make you go. You want to appreciate stuff more. Absolutely. You know, I I, I was mad. Just to get personal, I was mad at my brother for like three years about something, and then the other day I went like, "Hey man, I love you, man. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. not even gonna hold that grudge against you no more. It's for just, sure, it's not worth it. And it's for just, sure. it's 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 been rough a week for me personally, but absolutely, man. Um, for me, it was uh, it was rough in the sense that for me, you know, I know you don't like to fly on planes, but for me, this is just a little anecdote. When I get on a plane, I heard the story like a long time ago. It was from a comedian or something like that. I can't remember the origin of the story, but. The joke is, and it's more of like a saying, like if you get on a plane and let's say you see Tom Brady on your plane or Barbara yeah. Streisand or whatever, Kobe Bryant, mm. you go, oh, I'm good. Yeah. Because th- this plane can't crack. Yeah. If Kobe Bryant got on this plane, if Barbara Streisand got on this plane, if Tom Brady got on this plane, they all know Tom Brady's on this plane. The pilot's going to be on his A game. It's not happening. Yeah. 
And uh, last time I was in Vegas, my grandmother liked to take us on, you know, nice dinners and stuff before we leave. And we went to the Stratosphere. There's a restaurant restaurant at the top of the Stratosphere. And the helicopters are lower than... The Stratosphere is so high that the helicopters are lower than the Stratosphere. Really? And the helicopter rolled by where we were having dinner my last our last night in Vegas, me and Sierra. And, you know, Sierra made a joke. Oh, my God, it's crazy. Helicopter lower than this. And um, my grandfather and my grandmother said, well, yeah, next time you're in town... We never bring it up, but next time you're in town, if you want to, I mean... You know, we can we can go for a helicopter ride. And I go, <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. I'm not yeah. going on a helicopter ride. But to think of Kobe Bryant, when you think about heli- Kobe Bryant getting in a helicopter, you're like, that's a 2020 Maybach helicopter. Whatever the best helicopter is, Kobe Bryant's in that helicopter. Yeah, that's what, yeah. Whoever the best pilot is, yeah. that's who's flying Kobe Bryant around. And that just user error, yeah. error just, he's dead. Yeah incinerated nine people are just gone like yeah. they they are not going to have funerals they, they're just they're just they don't exist anymore and that notion to a person who not to give not to put celebrities on the pedestal but it just is what it is kobe bryant is more important than me yeah uh, you know and people can say don't think about it like that what you're not being yeah. a realist if you yeah. don't think kobe bryant's more important than right. you kobe bryant just doesn't exist anymore getting on a helicopter so it it, it rattled me this whole week because i you know i like to fly and go, my grandmother lives across the country i have yeah. to get on a plane to go visit her and, and a plane isn't a helicopter but it's still you getting in the sky you're yeah. you're defying the laws of gravity and breaking all kinds of human you're 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 doing something that's not supposed to be done when you get on a plane yeah but i used to always go well it's just what you do yeah. and this rattled me for this whole week because you go Kobe Bryant was worth millions of dollars. Yeah. Famous, beyond belief, world renowned, whatever. And his 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 vehicle of the sky just crashed, man. So that could happen to me. A- anybody. A- any, it could happen to anybody. That's what's it, so That scary. stuff doesn't save you. Yeah. So that really that was that really rocked me. Yeah. And I went through the same thing as you. I went and visited my grandfather. My grandfather's been having some health issues. You know, he's been kind of you know doing having some dementia like mm-hmm. you know symptoms and stuff like that and going to I just, it just it just it made you want to bring your circle closer to you yeah. made everybody around you you want to let them know how you feel and where you stand and let them know everything's okay let them know where you stand in their life where they stand in your life and that part is good but it also just it just shook me to my core man yeah. and then the, the idea of like being on that in an event with your child and you know it's the end yeah. and you have to be strong for them Can't but it it, it, it it was this was a very traumatic experience yeah. and um i'm not a fan of people saying you know oh you didn't even how can you feel that way for somebody you didn't even know whatever kobe bryant has been around my whole life yeah now i will be the first to admit in the barbershop i was always the person on LeBron's side, yeah, because we're just LeBron guys. So I would always be like, "LeBron's a better teammate." He da da da. Mm. This is LeBron. Blah, 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 blah. But I respected Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And just another anecdotal thing before we try, you know, move on best we can and get into the show. Kobe Bryant is the real reason I ruptured my Achilles. <laughs> you know, like 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 facts. Not even just not, not even just saying that Kobe Bryant. Uh, what was this? A year and a half ago, me yeah. and you really we were like, "There's leagues and stuff out there. We can yeah. really play basketball." Me and Fran took basketball more serious than we had ever taken it in yeah. our life. We were we had joined leagues. We were playing basketball more often than ever. And I really was watching training videos and Kobe Bryant speeches and all this kind of stuff. And and that Mamba mentality thing, I really took that on. 
and said, you know, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not an athlete, mm. but I can I can get to a state of mind where I say, even if you jump to block my shot, I'm going to shoot my shot. How I shoot my shot. You're not going to stop me. Mamba mentality. Yeah. You know, even in my, you know, my dollar general body, I was I had I was I was I bought in. Yeah. And I was playing some of the best basketball I have been playing in my life. Honestly, like, I will honestly say that getting into that state of mind and blocking out anybody in front of me and just hooping and not overthinking had me playing some of the best basketball I ever played in my life. Now, was I working out outside of that? No. I was I was I was mamba mentality but with with AI work effort. Yeah. With, with AI work ethic. I was yeah. like, "Practice." No, pra- <laughs> no, no. I just come and hoop. I yeah. don't practice. We're training. No, stretching. No. So I would just come hoop ball as hard as I could, do shit my body wasn't supposed to be doing <laughs> from watching Kobe trying to, I'm going to jump off the foot, land, pivot, spin, uh, and just doing all kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it ended in me rupturing my Achilles, you know. But uh, his his determination to win is unmatched. I don't I don't know anybody that has, he'll do it, he would do anything to win. Mm-hmm. And that's something to be commemorated and honored and, and respected and emulated to, um, I don't know too many people who would do anything to succeed. Yeah. That's, you could say that, you know, you want to make money, you want to get that promotion, you want, but would you do anything? Cut the throat of a, of a coworker? Mm. Would you, would you undermine your boss? What would you do to, how would you put in that? Would you stay 12 hours past your, you know, work when you're not getting paid? Those kind of things. What would you, what are you really willing to do to succeed? And he embodied that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, I think we need to find a way. Again, I'm not going to get into this. Isn't I'm sorry. You know, and 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 people can say what they want to say. I'm 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 fine with that. This isn't the week for us to uh, play devil's advocate or get into the past of Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant has a sordid past. Everybody does. Everybody does. And and you know, I would I would I would ask people to go and really look into that. And I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to get into. That, but we need to learn how to um, honor people who deserve to be honored and have that conversation properly. There's, it's not one or the other. Sometimes, sometimes it's a gray area, and 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 that's that is where I'll leave it. What I will say one last time is rest in peace to Kobe, Gianna, Ara Zabanya, Christina Mauser, Alyssa Tobelli, Carrie Tobelli, and John to- John. Carrie Atabelli and John Atabelli. And again, those those people had other kids. That family really just got wiped off the map. And there was another woman, Christina Mauser, whose husband now has to raise three kids by himself. And that's incredibly yeah. sad. I mean, there's a lot of people who are suffering because of that. And I I, I hope they're able to move forward. I, I I don't expect anybody to be able to. You know, I, I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm. You, there's no time limit you can really put on that. It's just, it's just a really tragic situation, man. Rest in peace to them, and um, rest in peace to Gianna and Kobe. It's been seeing people that I love as basketball players even going through this. I feel like they should have had the week off. I don't like. It feels like it's paying for profit. Like we're seeing cameras in people's face while they're mourning and yeah. grieving. It's been really hard for me to see that because I don't. You know, there was a lot of they filmed um, a lot of basketball players crying, and then at Kobe's, they played a game on Friday. Mm-hmm. The the Lakers played the Trailblazers. And they had those videos on the jumbotron. Yeah, and it felt like yeah, that's told, why they filmed it. Yeah, I know? told stuff. I was like, "Why is that even in?" I was like, "I, I said out loud, I was like, I don't. Why is that in there? I don't like that." 
Yeah, like, it what's just the whole point of that. It it it, it was th- it was to it was to trigger a reaction from you. It's like Devin Booker's crying, you cry now. But I feel like all those people. I mean, if we're gonna come from a mental health aspect, those people shouldn't have been you know made to go out and do that this week. I'm not saying I'm the whole week off, but yeah. like the first couple days. De- I mean, come on, you know. But I'm surprised none of them said anything though. I don't. I wouldn't. I just wouldn't agree. Been, with been that. upset with them being on the jumbotron. Yeah, it's a Kobe tribute. It's like what can you? You got to just kind of eat that, you know. Yeah. But I, it when you see the play, when you see them filming these people, when you see them all week, Monday, Tuesday, when you're seeing them filming these people in the games mm-hmm. and getting a close up on them, and then you see it on the jumbotron, you go, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of nasty, you know. I don't don't use people's pain to to as a part of the slideshow. Yeah. You know, because because I mean. Devin That's Booker like didn't know Kobe like that, but that was just how Kobe affected him. Yeah. But don't use his trauma. But, you yeah. Know, but a lot of them looked up to up to him as mentors, though. Absolutely. Like, they called them to train with him and stuff like that. So. Kyrie Irving couldn't even play the, the the day after that happened. Yeah. He, you know, he had to. That was his guy. M- mellow. Yeah. You know, it it was that was hard to see. Yeah. I. I um, I'm not. It's not. I'm not, I'm not at the level where I go shame on the NBA. It, this has never happened before, so I don't think they really knew what to do. They just wanted to give Kobe the best send off they could, and showing people's emotions is one of the aspects of how they felt that was the best way to go with that. But I didn't really like um, making people go out there and play basketball and they're noticeably crying. Yeah, you know that was that was hard for me uh, as a basketball fan. But yeah, man. Um. I said it already. I say it again. Basketball is going to be bittersweet for me for a while. It's it, I love basketball. I love watching. It, I love playing it. But it's the, it's just this. Every time I pick up a ball, because Kobe was such a like. I mean, he was so regarded so highly. When you dribble a ball, you you just think of Kobe, even subconsciously. Yeah. So then that's gonna bring. That's where the bittersweetness comes because like you're having fun playing basketball, but then you go, damn man, Kobe. Like Kobe doesn't. He's just gone. Yeah. So, you know, that's sad. But, you know, like I said, rest in peace. We're going to try to move on from that. Uh, I wanted to just to follow up from a th- um, something we said last week. I've decided not to delete the episodes. Okay. Uh, we've had a lot of um, people saying don't do that. I've had some conversations with some people as far as the benefits of having your old episodes. What are the and, benefits? Well, having a catalog is always beneficial from, okay. a, from, from, a, from a profit standpoint. The more episodes of something you have, the more opportunity you have to benefit from those episodes it's work you put it you put in work mm-hmm. we have hours and hours and hours of content whether it's great bad terrible whatever it is mm-hmm. it's content yeah so why delete it especially when i don't have a way of keeping it it would just be gone okay so after comments and people are you know people really like to trace songs joke people there's there's things in those and people were coming out and telling me what about this what about that and people come in and telling me about why i shouldn't because they like them and these kind of things so we won't be deleting the old episodes. They will remain up. And um, great. Thank you for coming out. <laughs> <laughs> so just stay tuned, man. Stay on the journey with us. We appreciate everybody who listens. Again, taking this time in this in this uh, time of you know um, um, pers- getting perspective and realizing where you stand in life and how short life is. This has been such a fun journey and and creating this podcast with my friend Fran and um, um, building an audience and building a a, a friendship with all these people who listen. So I just want to say, I appreciate anybody who listens to this podcast. Thank you so much. I hope life treats you incredibly kindly. And, um, I hope you guys, you know, prosper in whatever field you guys exist in and, 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 and 
just just have a great life that that really is as bad as 2020 has started the silver lining of this is that it really gave me a new perspective on life and i'm very much like who gives a shit man like life's too short yeah. like grudges and and, and and jealousy and animosity who cares man like we could just go tomorrow so just support people you know, uh, give people their flowers, be happy for people. That's just, that's yeah. what it's all about, man. It's yeah. just, there's no reason to hold any kind of negativity towards somebody because they could be gone tomorrow. You could be gone tomorrow. And it's like, for what? This year has to get better at some point. It can't get in much. How could it get worse? Yeah. Not to knock on wood. Not, I'm going to literally knock on wood. Yeah. But, and not to be dramatic, but I came off work and I thought World War Three was happening. Yeah. Kobe Bryant died. The planet is the only thing that can get worse is like if I died. Like that is really. I don't mean to be over dramatic, mm. but the only way I could feel more is this is this a, like a terrible traumatic loss. Yeah. Like my own life or somebody close to my family. And again, knock on wood. I hope that doesn't happen. But to come out of the gate, it has to get. It leaves so much room to get better. That's yeah. the silver lining as well. Where it has to get better from from here. Getting old sucks though. Yeah. Man. It's the, I'm sorry. I need to be like. Just to be down and everything, but it's like going into a new year is, is completely different than it was like 15 years ago for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just yeah. <sighs> not not to not to continue down, <laughs> not to continue down. The, like the good vibes come at the end. We're gonna bring it back up, but um, for you, because I was thinking about this because Sierra has a friend. Her friend had twins around the time that you had your first kid. Yeah, and you have this you have this reminder in your house of how old you're getting. Yeah. And I just think that's super trippy. Like every every day that you see Sophia get taller, teeth grow in her mouth. Yep. She can talk now. She can do math. You're like, oh wow, I'm older. Yeah. You know, when Sophia turns ten, you're like, oh wow, that's ten years of my life that have passed. You know. Yeah. And um, I just think that's trippy because I don't have that. So I always think about the mortality that that brings when you you go from having a baby in your hands to it's like I'm gonna go get some juice out of the fridge and then they go get the juice themselves and you go, oh my god, well that's crazy. Yeah. You know, like that. The many times a day you get tripped out because your kid is doing something you remember them not being able to do. Yeah, I just I just hope when I hit like 40, 45, uh-huh. I don't want to go, I don't want to be one of the people that go, yeah, I don't know. I, you hear a lot of people, I had one of my bosses go, yeah, I don't know where my 30s went. I'm like, what? It just flew by. What do you mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to. Enjoy it. Yeah, I don't want to be that way. <laughs> I listen, just don't want to be that way. Listen, man. I'm, this is my advice I'm going to give you. Again, there's not much advice I can give you <coughs> as a father of two and, and living your life. But what I'll say is any opportunity you get to take your kid, if you get an opportunity to take your kids to Legoland, Disney yeah. World, take them on a trip to out of the country, yeah. whatever opportunities you get, man, take them, man. Because yeah. it, it's going to fly by, man. It yeah. really, and that's just that's just for anybody. So that's not even a kid thing. It literally, that's why any any opportunity I get within, I'm not going to break the bank to do something because I, I, re, I respect right. the consequences of those things, like coming back. It's nothing worse than doing something you know you shouldn't be doing and then that like two months of trying to get back. Yeah. But in the long term of things, doing those kinds of things, the memories outweigh whatever 
that two months was yeah, you know so yeah. do what whatever it is do it don't yeah. think about it if you want to go back to school if you want to go travel do it it's Asia, never too late to do just go do whatever it is go do it man because you're you're gonna regret it yeah. if you don't take a job kiss your ass you're taking a day off to do something you, you want to do yeah people being like well i only got five vacation days left i don't want to spend them all. i trying to kind of want to bank them for next year no you might you not be next year. <laughs> <laughs> might not be here bro banking and all fuck that go do it go do it and live your life because nobody even the worst stories i have and i got some embarrassing stories you're not gonna regret them when you're 60 yeah. they're funny they're funny now i got stories of me doing dumb shit of me doing embarrassing things with exes and just they're funny now yeah nobody ever regrets the story the story is always worth whatever the the two weeks after you did did it was it's always worth it so Go do it for the story, because the stories are the only thing that stand the test of time. You could buy a nice watch, a nice home, a nice car. Time will eradicate all those things. Your house isn't going to be as nice as the day you bought it. Your car won't be as nice as the day you drove it off the lot. The watch will, you know, start to get rusty and not work as well. But the story of, you know, you doing whatever, those those last, those are immortal, man. So that that's all I really got on that, you know. I, I don't really have anything else, you know. Rest in peace, everybody that died in that plane crash. But the way Kobe Bryant affected the world, yeah. The way the story of him and his daughter affected the world, I hope that people hold their kids closer. And 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 even if your kid doesn't do something that you love to do, take an interest in it, man. Like yeah. if your kid dances or does ballet or is in the chess club or whatever, be the biggest fan of that. Go go and hold a sign up and just appreciate what they do. Be their biggest supporter. Learn to play the game. Play it with them. There's so many opportunities to just build a bond with your kid and the things that they like to do. You know, so that, that's my advice. Just cherish those moments, man. And uh, what I'm going to do, I want to play Kid Cudi, Immortal. You know, I feel like that's, a, a you know, just a proper song to play. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some more fucked up shit and uh, stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, it's my turn to go first this week. In honor of Black History Month, this is a story that everybody knows, but I don't know how many people really know the story. I would count myself as one of those people before I did the research to do this affirmative murder. Uh, this week, I'm doing the story of Emmett Till. Um, I, again, like I said, it's one of those stories that you know, but I didn't really know. You know the, you know the end of the story, but you don't know the origins of the story. Yeah. For me, personally. Uh, my sources were biography.com and um, the History Channel has a website and I got a lot of information from there. It's very helpful. Uh, so here we go. 
So Emmett Till was born in Chicago, Illinois, and grew up in a middle-class black neighborhood in the 1940s. Emmett Till was the only child of Louise, of, I'm going to call him, I think it was Louis, of Louis and Mamie Till. Emmett's mother was, by all counts, an extraordinary woman. Defying the social con- constraints and discrimination she faced as an African-American woman growing up in the 1920s and 30s, Mamie excelled both academically and professionally. She was only the fourth black student to graduate from the suburban Chicago's from suburban Chicago's prominently prom, uh, predominantly white Argo Community High School and the first black student to make the school's honor roll. Mm. And I saw something earlier today. There's a like an Australian Open. and I, I thought this was really funny. There's this girl. I can't remember her name because I don't, I don't remember her name, but she's a tennis player. And the statistic was this girl looks to become the first American girl other than Venus or Serena Williams to win the Australian Open. And somebody like retweeted and said, so you mean third? Yeah. I just thought that was such a weird way to, to, you know, to say she's the third. Like, why are you? She's the first woman other than Venus or Serena Williams to win the Australian Open as an American. It's like, then she's the third woman. Why are you? What is this? You know, so I just thought that, that just that popped they in my head. They do that right. for a lot of the sports. Now. It's just so random. Like cause this person excelled so much at their sport that you have to exclude them in order to boost up a person. Yeah. It's like, no, you should praise that person while also saying what this person is doing cool too. Three people is still a little bit of people. Yeah. You know, three people still a little bit of people. You don't have to go the first other than these two because they did it for so long. Whatever, <laughs> move. Yeah. This she's the first other than them. It's like, no, third. She's the third yeah. one. They're all great. And there we and, and there we go speaking. And it's like now you're you're pushing them out. Yeah. And then trying to trying to forget what they did to which, boost somebody else. To boost up. somebody up. Boost somebody else. Up. We're not doing that in 2020, man. No. That's, no. We're not doing that in 2020. That's another thing. Just as, as a tangent, I love something about Kobe's passing. I, I've seen so much positivity. There's people. There's dudes getting crossed up this week in the NBA. That are like, man, shout out to him, man. He crossed me up. Like people are just appreciating people now yeah. while they're here. People are Bradley Beal didn't make the all-star team. And people, are, NBA players are coming out like, that's a robbery, man. That's yeah, the hardest guy I've ever had to guard. It's ridiculous. Give people their flowers now, man. Yep. You know, don't don't try to negate somebody's accomplishments to boost somebody else. It's just, that's not what we're doing in 2020 and beyond. Back to my story. So, shout out to Mamie Till. She was doing all of it. On a roll, never, never, <laughs> was never even a thought. I made it once. When? Senior year. Of college, of of college. high school, yeah. <laughs> college. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, never, never, no. Perfect attendance. <sighs> I smoked that. Yeah, that's easy. that was my wheelhouse. That was, I handled that. Was my, showing up every day. Oh, that was my bag. I could absolutely, I could show up every day, yeah. no problem. That's where I excelled. Yeah, but no, uh, nah, I was more of a CB guy. A's. <laughs> yeah, man, help with other people, man. I made it. So, are you saying cheating? You call that. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, Emmett Till never knew his father. Uh, his father was a private in the United States Army during World War II. Uh, Lewis Till was born in 19... Oh, I'm sorry. Emmett Till was born in 1941. His parents separated in 1942. Three years later, Mamie received word that... Uh, Lewis Till, the father of Emmett Till, had been executed for willing for willful d- misconduct while serving in Italy. I would, I don't have time to jump into that really, but from an enemy, 
No, by the United States government killed Emmett Till's father for willful willful misconduct. He was he was charged with the murder of a woman in Italy and the rape of two other women. Now, I'm not saying he didn't do those things, but the when I when I get to and people who know the story of Emmett Till, the idea of you know um, uh, a story like that dictating his fate. It almost is like his, you know, Emmett Till followed in his father's footsteps, you know, and I'm not saying his dad didn't do what he, I didn't know, I'm not saying his father didn't do what he's accused of and what he was executed for, but he was executed by the United States government for willful misconduct. Oh, okay. So they hung him. Damn. They hung him in the 1940s. For punishment. As a punishment for murder and uh, rape of two women. That's crazy. Yeah. So, Yeah. I didn't even know that was like a thing. Me either. I knew you could like be court-martialed and arrested as a military person, whatever. I didn't know execution was even on the table. Maybe it's not anymore, but in the 1940s it was. Uh, three years after his execution, may- oh, I'm sorry, no, I read that already. Uh, Louis Till was convicted of the mur- of murdering an Italian woman and sentenced to death by hanging in 1945, as I just stated. Hmm. When Louis was arrested by military police on suspicions of the t- of the murder of an Italian woman and the rape of two others, he was investigated, convicted, and sentenced to death by hanging. Lewis was executed on July 2nd, 1945, about a month shy of Emmett's fourth birthday. Mm. And again, I would encourage people to go look that up and get the facts themselves and, you know, decide for yourself how you land on that. And, you know, just just interesting to see the connections of those kind of things. Because you hear Emmett Till and you know the story and you know the picture and you know all these things, but you don't know the, the surrounding facts of this guy's family life and all these kind of things. And it's, I, I encourage people to look that up. Uh, Emmett, who went by the nickname Bobo was born on July 25th, 1941 in Chicago. He grew up in a thriving middle-class black neighborhood on Chicago's South Side. The neighborhood was a haven for black-owned businesses and the streets he roamed as a child were lined with black-owned, bi- black-owned insurance companies, pharmacies, and beauty salons, as well as nightclubs that drew the likes of Duke Ellington and, Sar- and Sarah Vaughn, who were both um, like jazz musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, those who knew Till best described him as a responsible, funny, and infectiously high-spirited child. He was stricken with polio at the age of five. He managed to make a full recovery, except for a slight stutter that remained with him until the end of his short life. With his mother often uh, working more than 12 hours a day, Till took his full share of domestic responsibilities from an early age. Emmett had all of the house responsibilities his his mother later recalled, uh, she went on to say, I mean, everything was really on his shoulders and Emmett took it up upon himself. He told me uh, if I w- if I would work and make the money, he would take care of everything else. He cleaned and cooked quite a bit and even took over the laundry. So shout out to him. You know, I, I, I think as um, the product of a single parent home. And in doing this research, I saw a lot of parallels in, in me and uh, Emmett Till's life. But, you know, obviously my life went completely different and I benefited from being born when I was born. But being a product of a single parent home and recognizing the struggles of, in a single parent home, you know, yeah. like recognizing like I don't mom, I need to know how to be able to feed myself and clean my own clothes. And, and let me just whatever I can do to make myself not a burden. Let me do those things, you know. And I think that that takes a certain kind of person because some people never realize you could be 30 and not realize you're being a burden on somebody. But, you know, recognizing that your mother's working hard, your father's working hard, whatever the situation is, and it's just you and them. And you go, I'm going to do whatever I can to make things easy. Wherever I'm able to, I'm going to cut the corners and make take away responsibility from them. Hmm. 
So I gave him a shout out for that because I just thought. So every every kid doesn't recognize that when your when your parent is like struggling and has so much responsibility and they're doing it on their own, you just kind of are in your own zone and you're 11, 12, whatever. And you know, mom, I need money for a field trip, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. Can you wash my clothes? Can you sew this? Can you do this? Recognizing the struggle and deciding you want to help the best you can is, you know, everybody that can't is not capable of that and hasn't done that. So I wanted to give him a shout out for that. Till Till attended the all black Makash Grammar School. His classmates and childhood pal Richard Richard Hurd, Richard Hurd later recalled Emmett was a funny guy all the time. He had a suitcase full of jokes that he liked to tell. He loved to make people laugh. He was a chubby kid, which again I can relate to because you know I was thick with two C's back in the day, and you know so I can I, I, I can I can recognize being that kid. See the th- the thing the thing people that's, that's underrated about being the chubby friend is if you take care of everything else on your end. That's all they got is the fat joke. So if you sharpen your sword and, and you got jokes for days and they go, shut up, you fat bitch. And you go, well, whatever. You're dirty and you stink and this and this and that and that. And you can't play basketball and boom, 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 boom. And you look like this guy. You look like Terrell Suggs. Mm-hmm. And you got a bunch of bars and all they can do is call you fat. I eat that. Yeah. I ate that all day. And then would just bar people down. And if you bar enough people down, they just leave you alone. Who was out there calling you fat? I mean, I don't know, people wouldn't call me fat, but I oh, was, okay. it was it was known that I wasn't, a, I wasn't, I didn't have abs. Okay. I don't think people, you know, I knew, I knew where I stood in life. Mm-hmm. I knew if you had to put me in the category, I was a little on the chubby side. I'm not saying I was morbidly obese, yeah. but I knew where I stood, mm-hmm. but I knew, and that just might be the self-consciousness in me, I knew I got, I got a bag, I got a pocket full of jokes on anybody. So go ahead. <laughs> call me, do, go do it. Do yeah. it, please, because yeah. I got. I'm ready. Mm. I know your life, home life. I got it all. Uh, I will study. We go over people's houses. I'm like, okay, you know, stepdad does this. Yeah. Okay. Do it. I had I had the launch codes in the pocket. Anybody. Wow. I had them on anybody. I was like a battle rapper. I was like my friends. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I've been watching. Do it. I was ready to put <laughs> press the button at any point. I had them ready to go. That's the life that a chubby kid or a kid with a stutter, that's the life that we live when you, if you find that path of like, all they can do is make fun of this thing. Yeah. Other than that, like, I, you know, I wash my clothes, I smell good, I do this, I, you know, I, I dress nice, whatever. If you only got this, I got mad bars. Please make my day. Yeah. I was like Clint Eastwood, but nobody knew. That's how I want you to. Go ahead. Make fun of my, my middies. It's my man titties. Make fun of them. I dare you to, cause I got I got it ready to go to fire off. And you know, luckily, you know, people people you know didn't wasn't often people tried me, but when they did, I would fire off. Yeah. You know? Anyways, let me get back to my story. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, he was a chubby kid. Uh, most of the other kids were skinny, but he didn't let that stand in his way. He made a lot of friends at this Makash school, which was an all black school, cause you know segregation and Jim Crow and all these kind of things. This is the kind mm-hmm. of stuff this kid was living. in. In Chicago, nonetheless, you know, so he wasn't even like in the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, in August 1955, Till's great uncle Moses Wright came from Mississippi came up from Mississippi to visit the family in Chicago. At the end of his stay, Wright was planning to take Till's cousin Wheeler Parker back to Mississippi with him to re- to visit relatives down south. And when Till, who was just 14 years old at the time, learned of these plans, he begged his mother to let him go along with his cousin and his uncle. And this part is really sad. 
Initially, Till's mother was opposed to the idea. She wanted to take him on a road trip to Omaha, Nebraska, which I don't know what there is to do there, but like not die. That's, yeah. you know, that's that's got to linger in your brain a bit when you, you know, post what I'm going to get to. But she wanted to take him on a road trip to Omaha, Nebraska, and tried to convince her son to join her with the promise of open road driving lessons. But Till desperately wanted to spend time with his cousin in Mississippi. And in a fateful decision that would have grave have a grave impact on their lives and the course of American history, Till's mother acquiesced and let him go to Mississippi with his uncle and his cousin. On August 19, 1955, the day before Till left home in Chicago with his uncle and his cousin for, for Mississippi, Mamie Till gave her son his late father's uh, army ring, which was engraved with the initials LT for Lewis Till. Uh, Lewis Till. The next day, she she drove her son to the 63rd Street station in Chicago. They kissed gu- goodbye and Till boarded a southbound train headed for Mississippi. It was the last time they would ever see each other. Three days after arriving in Money, Mississippi, on August 24, 1955, Till and a group of teenagers entered Bryant's grocery store and meat market to buy refreshments after a long day of picking cotton in the hot afternoon sun. Wait, he was he with... Just random people. Or just he was with his cousin and whoever. You know, you know how you, you know, you. I'm sure you've like visited a cousin or something mm-hmm. out of town. You go, you know your cousin. He introduces you to his friends. And after a while, you're, you know, you're there for two weeks, whatever. You're all friends, throwing rocks yeah. and shit or whatever. But yeah. this is the fucking 1940s, and they're fucking down there picking cotton to make money for the day. You know, you know, probably you know some you know some sharecroppers, whatever. You know, give them a couple quarters to you know do that as opposed to this is for us this is like a day of playing basketball in the summer and then we go walk to 7-Eleven or whatever but for yeah. them it just, th- th- when I see the the parallels of the time and what what we would be doing at noon on a on a on a Wednesday in the summertime and what these kids were doing like they just got done working yeah you know and it's like oh I made 15 cents a day I'm gonna go get a pop or whatever and that's so that's the scene that we're at now and they're at this grocery store, and um, I will carry. I will continue on. Uh, so they went to Brian's grocery store and to get some refreshments. And uh, what exactly transpired inside the grocery store that afternoon will never be fully known. But rumor has it that while standing outside of the grocery store, Emmett Till and his and his cousin, along with some friends, were uh, hanging out. And Emmett bragged that his girlfriend back home was white. Emmett. Uh, Emmett's African African American uh, group of friends didn't believe him and dared Emmett to ask the white woman sitting behind the store counter for a date. Mm. He went in, bought some candy, and on the way out, he was heard saying, bye, baby, to the white woman. There were no witnesses in the store, but Carolyn Bryant, which, you know, as, as we know in the last few years, I'll get to Carolyn Bryant. But Carolyn Bryant, the woman behind the counter, later later claimed that he grabbed her, made lewd advances, and wolf whistled at her as he made his way out. At eight, how old was he again? Fourteen. Fourteen. What the hell is a wolf whistle? Yeah. You know, oh, that's what that's called. That's yeah. To me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the you know that's the cat call whistle. Yeah. Or wolf whistle, but yeah. I know. If there's another thing other than a wolf whistle that's not that, please let me know. But that's what I know is the wolf whistle, though. Yeah. You know, that's like, hey, baby, come here. Yeah. Uh, kiss, wink your eye. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you've seen, you've seen, you know, the skunk from the Acme cartoons. You've seen Wile E. Coyote. You know, probably Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. We've seen them all do the thing. The tongue yeah. falls to the floor, like a, you know, like a drape. They then pick, you know, it flaps back up into their mouth. That whole thing. It, yeah. She basically painted that. Yeah. He kissed her up her arm, and there was hearts coming out of. That, she painted it as he was just, he just ravished her. Mm. She must be. Nothing. Never mind. Go ahead. I'll continue. Uh, Roy Bryant, the proprietor of the store. And the woman's husband returned from a business trip a few days later and heard how Emmett had allegedly spoken to his wife. Now, what I'll say is I can only imagine, but I would I would say in my head, the way that my the imagery is working for me is he comes back. Carolyn Bryant has already talked all around town about what happened to her yeah. being all dramatic and whatever. And he's so embarrassed that this black kid had the audacity to come in his store and touch his wife. It had nothing to do with. Him thinking he this kid accosted his wife or sexually assaulted his wife, he had the nerve to disrespect his store and his property, which is his wife, like this. That he just he was so mad. It didn't even really have anything to do with his wife. It was that you had the audacity to disrespect me like this. Yeah. And I'll get to what happened after that. So he comes back. Here's the stories of what happened with Emmett and his wife, and you know allegedly, and enraged, he went to the home of Till's great uncle Moses Wright with his half brother J W Millam. In the early morning of August twenty of August twenty eighth. Now keep in mind, he got in town on August twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. He hasn't even been in Mississippi for a week, and this is not a condemnation on Mississippi. But I won't be going to Mississippi anytime soon. I that's just I don't even want to feel that in my bones. I feel like when a, a state and a city with these kind this kind of history. Yeah. You can just feel it just walking down the street, just looking at a building that looks really old. You can just you can see the 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 whites only sign, even if it's not there. You know, I don't really I just don't I don't know if I'm ready to just embrace that yet. You know, I need some more time in my life to really process the kind of stuff before I'm in, immersed in that kind of world. You know, yeah, I mean, I go there on my drive to California, but other than that, I don't need to. I think you could fully avoid Mississippi on your even if you drove to <laughs> you could drive from East Coast to West Coast and not hit Mississippi. I really think that. So I have no reason to go. Yeah, but I will continue. I'm not going. This is not a slander Mississippi podcast. Um, like I said, so uh, uh, Roy Bryant and his his uh, half brother J W Millen went to Moses Wright's, who is Emmett Till's uncle's house, mm-hmm. in the early morning. How did they? How did they find him? It's fucking. It's, it's Money, Mississippi. Everybody knows everybody. It's a small town. I don't know. I never even heard of Money, Mississippi. So. Yeah, I know. That's why I, That's why I'm doing this story. I want people to know. But I, in my mind, I imagine it's a small town. Everybody knows this city slicking Chicago boy. Who is he? Oh, that's uh, that's Moses' nephew. He's in town. Some high, you know, up from Chicago. Fancy pants. I'm sure all this came into play. He thinks, oh, he doesn't know how it works down here. Okay. It's that kind of thing. Hmm. I'm sure it was a bunch of word of mouth of, it, it's a small town. It didn't take much work to find out who Emmett Till was and who his uncle was and all that kind of stuff. So in the early mornings of August 28th, they show up at the house. The pair demanded to see the boy, which is like, again, this is a 14-year-old boy. These are two grown men. So this was a dare, right? Yeah, it was. It, the uh, Allegedly, the allegedly the dare was, you know, and again, it, I just see so many parallels. of, You know, when you're a kid and you're like. 13 you're like i'm not a virgin my i got a girlfriend we have sex all the time she just lives in kansas so you know she goes to another school or whatever that whole thing it was that kind of thing i have a girlfriend in chicago she's white and that was a brag and fucking 
the 1940s. You know, like, you know, it's like, that's 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 unfathomable. And so they're like, what? No, why dare you to go in there and say something to that white lady? Ask her to take her out on a date. It was that kind of this was harmless kid shit. And let's say I believe the allegedly. And at worst, he went in there, bought his candy and was like, you have a nice day, baby. <laughs> Wink. You know, you're like, bing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he went out and was like, <laughs> told y'all. And his friends dapped him up like, you know how it is that feeling that you did something that none of your friends are brave enough to do. And you, you feel like the man. I yeah. really feel like this was how this kid's day went. It was like he walked out of there. Let's, again, like I said, let's say I believe that he did that. And he walked out of there and he's like, <laughs> she said no, but <laughs> I called her baby. Oh, you crazy, Emmett. Oh, this is crazy. You know what, man? You should never go. You should move down here. And he's the man for that day. And they go down to a creek and fucking throw rocks at each other or whatever. Dumb shit. You know how boys are. Just dumb shit. <laughs> Let's go and just jump in mud. You yeah. know. So they went and did that. And in his mind, it was such a harmless thing. And in this woman's mind, she was so mad. That this 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 black boy had the audacity to speak to her this way, that she went around town and, and told everybody an inflated story, which I'll get to. So this wasn't like a this was an interracial um, store. It wasn't like an all white store, right? Hmm, that I don't know. But I mean, if he walked, that's what I'm most surprised. If about. he if he walked in, he must have felt like he could walk in. Okay. So I'm assuming this wasn't a white only. Maybe this wasn't a whites only store. But I don't know. I don't have that in my story, so yeah, I'll move on. Maybe it was a white only store, and he didn't know it. It it was. Maybe that was part of the dare too. Like I dare you to go into that white only store and do whatever, you know. Yeah. So I'm not gonna say what I have here is foolproof information yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, the absolute facts. I don't know, but I know, I know he went into the store mm-hmm. and spoke to her in some kind of way. Yeah, I don't know if he wasn't allowed to be in the store or any of that kind of stuff. So again. They go into this house of this of the uncle. They go to the house. They're you know making a stink. We want to bring us the boy. We want to, we want to talk to him. He's not going to disrespect me like this. Da 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 da. And you know, you know, his uncle could only again. He's a black man in Mississippi in fucking nineteen forties, fifties, whatever. It's only so much protesting you can do before you realize like they'll come back later tonight and burn this whole house down. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if they just want to talk to him, I mean, let them talk to him. So. Uh, the pair demanded to see the boy, and despite the pleas from Wright, they forced Emmett into the car, and perhaps beating Till in a toolhouse behind uh, Milam's resident. Milam is J.W. Milam, who is uh, Roy Bryant's half brother. Okay. So they took him. They, this is believed that you know you're not driving around all night for no reason. Drove him around. They think that they might have beat him some, tortured him, really, really, you know, ma- made it last with this kid, like yeah. just really dragged it out, and uh, they drove him down to the. Um, Tallahatchie River and three days later his corpse was recovered by uh, but was also disfigured and uh, Mose Wright could not could on, only Mose Wright could identify it by the the ring hmm. that his um, that his mother gave him yeah. at the train station that was his father's ring he was so in it, it, if anybody's seen those photos I don't, you know it, it's what they did to that kid is is, is beyond appalling. Yeah. So I understand them, him only being able to identify him by the ring, but that's 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 what Moses had to do. He had to identify, that was the only way he could identify Emmett. Uh, authorities wanted to bury the body quickly, but Till's mother, Mamie Bradley, requested his his body be sent back to Chicago. After seeing the mutilated remains, 
Mamie Till bravely decided to have an open casket funeral so that the world could see what racism and uh, what racism did to her child and her only son. Uh, Jet Magazine published a photo of Emmett Till's corpse, and soon the mainstream media picked up picked up the picked up on the story. And I, it's not as bad, but I liken Emmett Till's story to the Trayvon Martin story because it was just so shocking. It woke people up in this way mm-hmm. to go, wow. Racism. This is racist, you know. So, I don't know if Trayvon Martin is the new Emmett Till. I think Emmett Till is always going to be Emmett Till, but there's some similarities between Trayvon Martin and and Emmett Till, and um, the way that the kind of the nation just kind of rallied around and used him as this the signal Mm -hmm. or this symbol for I don't know revolution, you know. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, less than two week, two, less than two weeks after Emmett's body was buried, Malam and Bryant, you know the brothers, went on trial in a in a segregated courthouse in Sumner, Mississippi. There were few witnesses besides Moses Wright, who positively identified the defendants as Emmett's killer. Now this dude knows for a fact that these are the two dudes that came to his house and took Emmett from his house. Yeah, and he was the only witness available in an all white jury and a white judge. Mm. On September 23rd, the all-white jury deliberated for less than an hour before issuing a verdict of not guilty, explaining that they believed the state had failed to, pr- to prove the identity of the body. That's they surprising. said, but not, he, not that they didn't kill somebody. We don't know yeah. if that's Emmett Till. Yeah. And that's what the, he's on trial for. We don't know. You can't identify that kid. This is a photo of Emmett Till. And this body that we're seeing doesn't look like anybody. So he didn't. Whoever this person is is not Emmett Till. So they didn't kill Emmett Till. So not guilty. So where is he? Hey man, getting a t- getting a time machine and go in the courthouse and. Go- I have no reason. <laughs> to do that. You ain't making it up, man. I'm not fucking. With- I couldn't. I'm not fucking with a time machine ever. Yeah. You couldn't pay me to fuck with a time machine. Well, I could. Just to go back as far as I've, I've, I've you can lived. pick and choose. I go back to what, like ninety six. I want to yeah. see Big, see Biggie in concert. Yeah, but anything past eighty five, I'm good. Anything past ninety one, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to go. <laughs> anything past the time <laughs> in which you've been alive, yeah, I don't need to go before that. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. You know, so, so, but yeah, they said that there that these two were not guilty because the jury didn't. I mean, that the the defense didn't go, do a good job of proving that that was Emmett Till. Hmm. which I think is so crazy it's like yeah. but that's a person though so they killed somebody yeah. yeah yeah but it's not Emmett Till and that's what we're here for they didn't kill Emmett we don't know if that's Emmett Till so he's not guilty of ki- killing Emmett Till because we don't know that's Emmett Till so not guilty we're gonna we got lunch we gotta go hmm. you know just that fast less than an hour <clears throat> so many people around the country were outraged by the decision understandably and also by the state's decision to not indict Milam and Bryant on the separate charge of kidnapping. So they didn't, they didn't get nothing. They were they walk they walked on nothing. Hmm. The Emmett Till murder trial brought to light the uh, the brutality of the Jim Crow segregation in, in the South, and was an early impetus of the African American civil rights movement. Yeah, along with you know Rosa Parks and uh, you know other things like that. You know the um, the uh, the bus. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? What are you talking about? 
when they when they when they you know when they protested the buses when they wouldn't get on the buses. What Rosa Parks? Rosa Parks, but then there became like a whole movement of we're not getting on the buses and sit-ins and oh, yeah. all that. Emmett Till was a, in that yeah. spark. Mm-hmm. All those things sparked like, yeah, fuck this, man. Yeah. Why are we living like this? Mm-hmm. Which is in such an important time in history. And it's not just black history, it's American history. There's this dude named uh, Daryl Davis who is kind of controversial, but he's a musician, but he also converts KKK members. Like, he's, his life's mission is to convert KKK members into not being KKK members anymore. That's like his life's mission. And he thinks that we should get rid of Black History Month because he feels like it's held us back because we kind of go, well, we got this month now, so we just celebrate Black History in February and then just move on. And we celebrate the same nine people and whatever. He's saying, let's get rid of Black History Month and Black History is American history and we should celebrate these people all year round, which I agree with, but I don't think we need to get rid of Black History Month. Well, I think they just gave it to us just to go here. Yeah, shut up. Something, shut up. Shut up. Yeah, shut up. It's always shut up. Um, but I agreed with him at some points. I don't know if we should abolish Black History Month, but I agree that you should celebrate Madam C.J. Walker and, you know, Alexander, you know, you, know, you, should, you, should, you should celebrate these people all year round. Yeah. You know, not just in February, to, you know, whatever. If somebody came to you in, in August and that's who Madam C.J. Walker is you should be as fluent as, in it then as you are in February I'll move on uh, in 2017 Tim Tyson author of the book The Blood of Emmett Till revealed that Carolyn Bryant recanted her testimony admitting that Till had never touched threatened or harassed her and what was this? this was in a book uh, called The like, Blood The Blood of Emmett Till recently right? 2017 yeah uh she said, quote, nothing that that boy could ever have done justified what happened to him. Which, Just again, as again, we've heard so many stories of like, now uh, Rosa Parks has a statue at Brown University or whatever. It's like, fuck off. Like, I don't care. I don't care. You lied. You lied and it caused this boy to be murdered. I don't really care about you on your deathbed in 2017 admitting that you lied. So she only did it because she was dying? Yeah, basically, oh, from I, what I remember. I don't know why she did it, though. Was it because she needed attention from eating, husband? It was probably eating her up, man. It was probably, why she lied? Yeah. Whew, that I don't know. Who knows? I don't. You'd have to read The Blood of Emma Tell. Maybe it's in there. I, I, I recommend it. Maybe there's an audio <laughs> Maybe there's an audio book. Cause that's yeah, the only, way I, re- it's the only way I really read books. Also, I, it it infuriates me, so I'm not yeah. going to like volunteer to get infuriated. And I to won't find, be buying it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, so the book is Tim T- is written by Tim Tyson, and it's called The Blood of Emmett Till. Somebody who's read it or something, let us know. Does she want to make her husband jealous or get some attention? Or I don't know what the reason was, but end of the story is she lied. Wow. Um, and that was the story of Emmett Till. Again, I think it's a story we all kind of know. Yeah. But I wanted to be more versed in it than I was. Did she die? Yeah, of old age. Oh, so she did already pass. I believe so. Okay. I would. I believe she was on her deathbed when she said that. So I, you know, I believe she died. And she got to live. How old was she? You know. <sighs> Let's see. This was the 1950s when this thing happened, and she was probably older than 14. So she probably was in her 80s, maybe 90s. How was that fair? Oh, fair. <laughs> Let's not even. We're gonna take. We're gonna go ahead. <laughs> Let's not even go what to what's fair. Um, we're gonna go ahead and take a uh, quick break, and when we come back, Fran's gonna tell you some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Fran, it is your turn to um, give the people what they're here for and talk about some fucked up shit. So I'm going to shut up and, you know, the mic is yours. Yeah, so um, I did. My story does 
uh, coincide with uh, Black History Month. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, Synchronicity. Doing, yeah. So I'm doing a story of William Lewis Moore. Okay. <clears throat> this is the death of William Lewis Moore. Okay. So Moore was born in Binghamton, New York, and raised in New York and Mississippi. Okay. For a time before his death, he lived in Baltimore, Maryland. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. In the early 1950s, when Moore was a graduate student at John Hopkins University, he suffered a mental breakdown. He was institutionalized for a year and a half with a diagnosis of schizophrenia. Mm. After being released, he became an activist on behalf of the mentally ill. He gradually got involved in civil rights activism for African Americans. This is a white guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a white guy. So Moore joined the the core CORE, which is Congress on uh, Racial Equality. In the early 1960s, Moore overtook three civil rights protests in which he marched to Capitol to hand he marched to a Capitol to hand to hand deliver letters he had written denouncing racial segregation. Okay. On his first march, he walked to Annapolis, Maryland, which is the state capital. On his second march, he walked to the White House. Mm. He arrived at about the same time the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. was being released from Birmingham jail um, after protests in that city. Mm. His letter to President John F. Kennedy said that he intended to walk to Mississippi Oh. And quote, if I made From the- where? Does this say like what's the starting point? Cause like we live in Baltimore. From here to Annapolis, if he walks from Baltimore to Annapolis, yeah. that's crazy as shit. Yeah, that's a hump. Yeah, and then walks from <laughs> if he like went back Baltimore and then walked from Baltimore to DC. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. The blisties. Yeah. <laughs> He's making a point, man. Yeah, you gotta put in that work. That's why He's I always say, point. like, getting locked up for your cause, marching for your cause sitting in for your cause and yeah. you know any of that it's, you gotta really you gotta really believe in what you're talking about yep yeah so his letter to President John F. Kennedy said that he intended to walk to Mississippi and quote mm. if I may deliver any letters from you to these to those um, on my line of travel I would be most happy to do so so for his third protest his third protest he planned to walk to Chattanooga Tennessee mm. to Jacksonville to Jackson Mississippi and to and deliver a letter to Governor Ross Burnett, Ross Burnett, urging him to accept integration. Mm. He was wearing sandwich boards. He was wearing sandwich board signs stating "Equal Rights for All" and "Mississippi or Bus." Mm. So on April twenty third, nineteen sixty three, about seventy miles into his march, Moore was interviewed by Charlie Hicks, a reporter from radio station WGAD, and Gads. In Gadsden, Alabama, along a rural stretch of U.S. Highway 11 near Atala, the station had received an anonymous phone tip about Moore's location. Mm. Which is like a snitch. Yeah. And 70 miles. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's. And, you know, they were fly when they were doing it, too. Like they were in suits yeah. and, and, and ox, you know, wingtips. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. man. So, yeah, the, um. The station received an anonymous tip, phone tip about Moore's location. In the interview, Moore said, I intend to walk right up to the governor's mansion in Mississippi and ring his doorbell. And then I'll ha- hand him my letter. Mm. Concerned for Moore's safety, Hicks offered to drive him to a motel. Moore insisted on continuing his march. No, nah, bro, I don't, I, don't, I don't need you, right? I want to walk. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't need any. I'm walking the way I'm walking. Shout out to this dude, Moore, because 
this is what ally being an ally is like. You yeah. know, I, I saw there was a lot of people shitting on Taylor Swift this weekend because apparently I don't listen to Taylor Swift, but there was some documentary that came out where she was saying, "I need to make my opinions on politics public because I need to be on the right side of history," mm-hmm. which I fuck with. I think is important, but um, she this dude was out there on the front lines. Yeah, you know, he probably took a rock to the dome a couple times. Like yeah. he's really out there. Yeah. Um. So less than an hour after the reporter left the scene, a passing motorist found Moore's body about a mile further down the road. Mm. Shot twice in the head mm. at close range with a 22 caliber rifle. Mm. The gun's ownership was traced to Floyd Simpson, who whom Moore had a who who Moore had argued with earlier that day, but no charges were ever filed against him. Moore died a week short of his 36th birthday. God damn! You think Moore like? You think he he talked fly because he hung around a bunch of black people, or you think he was like, "Listen here, man, you get out of here." He's like, you know, he had some sauce to him, like, "Man, get your corny ass." You know, he had some, you know, you know, he played the dozens a yeah. little bit. He might have said something that stung a little bit, like, "Yo, fucking, you know, man, bird nose ass." And he's like, "Okay, you know what? I'm getting my gun." I think, yeah. I, I think it, I think it was more the latter where he's like, he had some sauce. He hurt yeah. his feelings. He must have hurt his. He must have had some bars for him that hurt his feelings. Call a little him bit. a racist and probably mm, take them off. Oh, white people hate to be called a racist. Yeah. But that's that's the N word for for white people. Where, you know well, they don't they don't like to be called that. Tell them get over it. <laughs> Moore's letter was found and Moore's letter was found and opened. So this dude did what he did and opened his letter to to read it mm. to you know whatever he wrote and whom disgraced his man committed another felony. You know you know more about that than I do, but yeah. you know you can't open people's mail, right? No, you, you know turn you know time on that or no? No, yeah, I thought you might have that on you know in mm. your back pocket. Like that's <laughs> that's three to five. No, don't care. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so he, the letter was found and open. In it, more more reason that the white man cannot be truly free himself until a man until all men have their rights. That's what Moore said. Yeah. Oh. Yep. He asked Governor Barnett to be gracious and give more than is immediately demanded of you. Mm. Folk singer uh, Phil Oaks wrote a song in in tribute to William Moore that is part of the album "A Toast to Those Who Are Gone." Another tribute song in German for William Moore was written by East German singer-songwriter Wolf Wolf Biermann. Mm. Pete Seeger sang William Moore, the mailman, on his album Broadside Ballads. The this, dude, this dude was a mailman. The, wait, Moore? Yeah. He was oh, mailman. shit. So he, yeah. was in, he was in the same order that you were. He, he was in the same, you know, uh, brotherhood. Yeah. Mm. He, he, you know, because I, I always ask you about, sometimes you act like you don't know what I'm talking about, but I know you took that oath. Yeah, I said that. Oh, okay, all right, yeah. okay, all right. They make it, they make it all, everybody do that. Okay, I thought you, yeah. I, I remember you being like, I don't know what you're talking about. But no, you, no, You had no, to no, do no, something, no. swear on some kind of, you know, a bunch of junk mail or something yeah. like that, whatever mm-hmm. y'all do. No, I don't think it's like, it's oh. not like that. <laughs> well, yeah. But he was a postal worker, yeah. So, starting April 23rd, 2008, Ellen Johnson and Ken Lukenen walked the 320 miles from Reese <sighs> City, Alabama, near where Moore was killed, God and delivered... Damn. And delivered Bill Moore's original letter to the Capitol at Jackson, Mississippi. Oh, so they just God. finished, you know, what he what he started. Three hundred and twenty miles. Yeah. Oh, God. You said no. You ain't doing that. Am I doing that? Yeah. Oh my God! I walked like six miles on the on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. My feet, balls of my feet, was all sore. <laughs> Three hundred and twenty miles. Oh God, no. How? That's like days. Mm-hmm. You're not doing three. I don't care how fast you walk. That's at least four or five days of walking. Yeah. Nah, I'm sorry. Gotta make a point, man. 
And they doing it in his memory. I haven't met a black leader who would inspire me enough to do that. I haven't met a leader of anything. And I even just not even just about black rights. I haven't met anybody that could give a speech. Like if I was there for the I have a dream speech, I could see that firing me up to be like, man, fuck it. And then you get to a point where you didn't walk 70 miles, you're like, man, wait, I didn't I'm too invested now. I'll just see how this where this gets me. As long as we stop at a motel every, you know, few <laughs> hours and whatever. But nobody's ever had fired me up like, you know what? Let's just start walking. Uh Moses Martin Luther King, none of these. I've, I haven't been around for none of this shit. Three hundred and twenty miles is nuts. I couldn't do it. You can call me. Call me every ten miles. Yeah, I'll catch a bus. I'll see y'all at the next checkpoint. Yeah. So Bob Zellner, a longtime activist and first white field secretary of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, was with them and attempt attempted to uh, present the letter to Governor Haley Barber um, on May 6, two thousand eight. But the letter. The latter declined to meet the party. To mm. move the party. So just for a symbolic gesture? Yep. Damn. Yep, yep. Must have been a Republican. Like, nah, this looks bad for my constituents. I'm not participating in that. Yeah. So in April, I mean, no, I'm sorry. On the 47th anniversary of Moore's murder, April 23rd, 2010, a memorial plaque in tribute to Moore was unveiled. The plaque is permanently displayed at the Great um, Binghampton Transportation Center, across from the Kennedy Park and down the street from the Martin Luther King, um, was it prom- promenade? Promenade. Promenade. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's just that's where he walked at, right? So it's Alabama. The, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's Alabama. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. No, this was in Binghamton, New York. New York. Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, upstate New York. Okay. Yeah. A pioneer civil rights. A pioneer in civil rights. Moore is the only European American featured in investigation discoveries um, in justice files in 2011. Mm. So a ceremony unveiling a historic marker was held on Sunday, April 14, 2019. So that was just last year mm-hmm. um, at the site of the murder. The Alabama Historical Society, Society uh, makes placement of such markers possible, but someone else has to pay for them. Yeah. As the effort went forward, the Southern Poverty Law Center offered to pay the cost of the marker, estimated to be about 3000 Why is it such a big Just pay that? Why is it such a big deal? Three thousand dollars? Just pay it. <laughs> the the state or whatever the just, city doesn't just pay it. Why is this such a man? You know, people you know cutting corners and want to save money with because it's people. A lot of things. Reason people. You know, we live in Baltimore, so we know about like corruption, pol- political corruption, yeah. and state level. Any way you can cut corners is a way for you to pocket some money. So if you save the state some money, a bonus you, for you. you get the yeah, you get to put a little bit of that money in your pocket. So. Yeah. That three three grand might be three hundred dollars that he could take home, or the whole three grand. Whoever the he or she person is in charge of that, that might be some money they can take home. So yeah. there's always a fight for that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's estimated to be three thousand dollars. But Jerry Smith, Danny Crump, Cronova, and Mar- Marissa Cannon, a local um, Etowah County historians, believe the money should come locally to mark this tragic day in local history. Cannon was preparing to do some fundraising. In the Atala area, when Smith got the contact with, got in contact with County Commissioner Johnny Grant, Grant arranged for Smith to speak with the commission, and members committed to giving the money from their discretionary funds to pay for the marker. Mm. Smith paid the SPLC remains involved and is making a two thousand donation in Keener Baptist Church for his works toward the ceremony. So, um, they eventually did get it paid, but I right. feel like that's. Why was it such a big deal? Why was it such a long process to to get this man a plaque 
I feel like that's the thing about being an unsung hero is that there's no, you don't have a fan club. Yeah. You know, you people don't even know your story. So yeah. people don't feel invested in it to dig in their pockets and making an, a, a donation to your cause because it's like, who is this guy? Yeah. No, nah, I'll keep my 20. So I get that and being, you know, that's, you know, being an unsung hero, being a pioneer of something, you know, people don't remember the guy that, you know, invented rock and roll, but they remember, you know, whatever the Beatles or, you know, whatever, you know, people don't remember the pioneers. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's just, that's That's the unfortunate unfortunate fate, you know, that's the unfortunate fate of being somebody who sparks change, but isn't the face of change once it really gets the ball rolling, you know? So, yeah, I'm sure there was somebody before Rosa Parks that did, made a whole stink on a bus somewhere like, I am not ever moving. My name is Diane such and such. And she just has never, you know what I mean? Like, she's the most famous person in her town, but nobody knows who she is. You know, just, or that or could just be like her name just didn't hit like Rosa. Parks. Yeah, Rosa Parks. just It was something about Rosa Parks that just hit better. You know, so My, her feet was hurting. Yeah. You know, at last. And it was it's also something about seeing her in her picture and imagining you, you just got off work and somebody being like. I need that seat. And you being like, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. No. I'm not moving. Yeah. It was something about that that just hit different than somebody doing it for the cause. Like, I'm sitting in these seats because I know you're not allowed to. And I'm willing to go to jail. And Rosa Parks was just like, man, I just worked 12 hours. her name's just not Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks. It's just. You know what I mean? Like, the the name. Yeah. Did fucking. Did Outcast make a song about you, Diana? You know, I'm sorry. Rosa Parks just hit different. I don't even know if they say Rosa Parks in that song. I don't think they do. <laughs> it's just called Rosa Parks yeah. for some reason. You know, everybody moved to the back yeah. of the bus. That's why yeah. it's called Rosa Parks. I know you like to think your shit don't stink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, shout out to the outcast. Shout, <laughs> <to Rosa. laughs> shout out to Rosa Parks, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was the story of um, uh, my man, William, William Lewis Moore. Yeah. Yeah, made a little had a, had a little Baltimore in him, you know. Shout out yeah, to man, him. did a hell of a lot of walking. <sighs> Ooh, yeah. So uh, I actually did. Yeah. This is like my second story. I did. Uh, I did another story. I don't know how many episodes it was. It I remember. Was lady. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah lady I remember. Yeah, did the same. And cause. they then they tried and to make killed. it out like she was having a, an affair with the black dude. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. She got killed for being an ally. <sighs> it's wild, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the ones we. That's like those are like the, the ones that's on our team. That's what I mean, man. And that's why that's why I said this is a weird parallel because he didn't have to do anything like that. But I always felt like Mac Miller was a genuine. He wasn't trying to use black people for clout or to look cool or to be like, I know black people. He just really appreciated black music and black culture and just wanted to hang out. Yeah. Not be like us or talk like us and just like. I just think this shit is so dope, man. I love it. Can I just hang? Can I just be in the room? Yeah. That's why I thought it was dope, you know. And it's people that try to be it. Yeah. And that's when it it doesn't work that way. Just appreciate, just appreciate people appreciating people's culture and wanting to just be in the room and be a participant or whatever. I'm all for. It. But anybody being like, yeah, man, no, I'm in it. This is my shit too, right? Yeah. And it's like. Relax. It just reminds me. It reminds me. Did you see the video on Twitter where um, the guy was like in a golf cart and he had all these signs about Trump? Uh huh. And it was a white guy, so like he just didn't like Trump. Uh-huh. So he was, and uh, people riding past just people asshole. <laughs> Fuck yeah! I was like, people was going on to him. To him, he oh. was just chilling, had his book in his hand. Oh. You got this lady coming up, recording the whole. Why you? Why are you doing this to Trump? Why? What has he done to you? And it was like he must have been in South Dakota. 
I don't know where he was at, but he's pretty brave. People around bass, yeah. asshole. It's like, this is wild, man. Yeah, I'm not about it, man. It, Why the fuck can't just protest in peace, man? Why you gotta come up and bother him and record him and ask him all kinds of questions and stuff? Well, see, I, let me play devil's advocate to that because I've seen a, many a people with a like a Trump bumper sticker on their shit yeah. scratched all up and, you know, dance okay. and shit. You know, so it's like, I don't agree with that, but I don't agree with your belief yeah. in that, but you shouldn't go up to somebody's car and, like, key their yeah, car, a, you know, yeah, so either, on either side, yeah. you know, so in that aspect, I'm not a fan of that, but, you know, I, I know where I live and you got to know where you live. It's it, Depending on where you live, if you do that in California, you're not that bold, yeah. but if you do that in, you know, Arkansas, yeah. you just walk with fuck Trump sign on you, shit, man. Yeah. I catch you keying my shit. Oh, this is going to be a whole different thing. We're not even yeah. talking about politics anymore. Yeah. We, we talk, we, that's a whole different conversation yeah. right now. Where it's like, you, I, I, oh, oh, that would revel in that. Somebody key my car and I'm like, my man, are you all right? No, I'm just saying, no, you know, you shouldn't disrespect Trump. Like that. No, this we, ain't. This is, fuck. yeah. This, yeah. <laughs> we're not even, we're on something else completely. Do you know how much I paid for this car? Now you're on a whole other thing. Like, oh, do you know, you're trying to take money, food out of my mouth. And you go into somebody, they're like, wait, what? Food? No, I'm just, I just don't believe in it. Well, I don't care, man. So, okay. Yeah. Well, what we're going to do is you lace your sneakers up and you're going to give me my fade right yeah. now. He's like, wait, what? No, I just was. I just was expressing my political. No, okay. Well, I'm gonna express these hands all over your face, <laughs> yeah. my hands and feet That's all over your face. You, you should have thought about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you got the right to say whatever you want. Don't mess with people's property yeah. and don't put your hands on people. That's the line. That's the line right there. Yeah. I'm I'm all about free speech. Don't put your hands on people and fully expect you can say whatever you want. Expect consequences in return. Yeah. That's how. That's where I stand. Don't put your hands on people. Don't put your hands on people's property. And you can say whatever you want, but people's reactions. That's on you. Yeah. You can call me whatever. You can come up to me and say, I'm Af- go back to Africa, call me N-word, whatever. <laughs> but I promise you these hands work. And then yeah. you you said it. I let you get that off. And now you just got to deal with whatever comes next. Yeah. That's I fully. I fully believe in that. Say what you want. Freedom of speech, First Amendment, all that kind of stuff. But these hands work. So we going to you can say that. I let you get that off. You enjoy it. You know, you're feeling or whatever. Run me my fade. Yeah, you know I, don't, I, mean? I don't. That one, that one wouldn't get me off though. Somebody tell me to go back to Africa. I wouldn't even. You would just let that this. slide. I'll let that go. But that's the end where come up. But don't tell me. Don't come up to me talking about I'm gonna go back to Africa. Like <laughs> grow up. Insult <laughs> <laughs> me. Find First of all, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I've done a lot of research. Africa's beautiful. So I don't. Need, you know. I. You know. So I, yeah. I would love to go back. I, that's one of my goals to go back to Africa. Yeah. So I'd be like, Yo, oh, how'd you know? Before you come up with a, that that poor in, that poor insult. Do yeah, something better yeah, than that. Go back to Africa. Try grow again. Up. Grow up. <laughs> read a joke book from 1964 right. you know, come on man but uh no my, these hands work and you know you can say what you want and i can do what i want that, that's how i was where i say if you can stay if you can say what you want i'm gonna do what i want so you know you can carry it from there um anyway let's get up out of here and we're gonna go ahead and jump into these good vibes so let's do it That's right, folks. It's time for these good vibes. It's been a it's been a rough week, so let's go ahead and try to pick these spirits up a bit. Fran, I'm gonna kick things off. Okay. If you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, my my good vibes is actually amazingly a continuation of an. I feel like this dude has been on good vibes three times by now. Is the college guy? No, this oh. is the principal of a New Jersey school. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna go ahead and jump into it, so I can let you fill you guys in and and stop holding you guys in such suspense. So one principal has taken it upon himself to put an end to gun violence in his community by keeping schools doors open on Friday night. 
Westside High School principal Akbar Cook is dedicated to his students. For four years, Cook opened school doors for students on Fridays to keep them away from dangerous situations like drugs and gun violence. The Lights On program believed to be, is believed to be uh, saving Newark's future. ABC7 News students are free to play basketball, cheer, play pool, and video games in the program. They can also record music in a built-in studio. Uh, one of the quotes is, I haven't lost any more students to gun violence since the start of the school year, uh, Akbar Cook told ABC7 News. Every Friday between 6 and 11 p.m., Cook students have a safe, gun-free space. Anything that keeps them off the streets, I'll do. A student told the outlet, oh, anything, anything. Wait, I got a question. Go is this the washing machine guy? It's the washing machine okay, guy. It. It's the washing machine guy. For people cool. who don't know, this is Akbar Cook. He was on the Ellen Show after he uh, provided an after-school program which allowed kids to wash their clothes because he noticed that kids weren't coming to school because their clo- their clothes were dirty and they were getting made fun of. So he, allowed, he brought a bunch of washing machines in and uh, gave the kids an opportunity to wash their dirty clothes so they could come to school. And that's just one less thing you got to worry about. Even if you're hungry, whatever, w- one thing at a time. Yeah. You come to school, you're not getting made up for having dirty clothes. Boom, we knocked that off the list. He went on Ellen. Ellen got him a bunch of detergent and all this kind of stuff and gave him some money too. Good. Shout out to Ellen. She's always doing dope shit like that. And uh, he did something else too. I can't remember what. I feel like we talked about him a couple times. I feel like this. I could be wrong. He's definitely been talked about at least once on this Good Vibes yeah. segment, you know? Uh, so... Uh, the educator gained national attention for uh, launching a laundry program we just discussed uh, uh, at, a, at a school year, uh, at one of his school years. And uh, when he opened the laundry room, he wanted to curb absenteeism for students who were unable to have clean clothes due to family circumstances. The idea was a success. Students are free to use the laundry supplies during multiple hours of the day. Uh, Cook told ABC7 that there has been a 10% decrease in chronic absenteeism since the program has launched. Hmm. The Lights On program is also helping students during the summer. According to CBS New York, students can come to school and use the facilities three nights out of the school week, or three nights out of the week, it's not school week because it's summertime, three nights out of the week. In addition to providing a safe space, the program also feeds students and also feeds students warm meals. Uh, Akbar Cook said I was finding out just from being a principal that the kids don't eat during the weekends and this uh, this goes back to that whole food desert conversation we've had where me being a kid not even realizing like, sometimes your dinner is a honey bun and two bags of chips you know yeah. and not because there's not food at home but just because that's what the other kids around you are doing and you don't even realize those kids might be doing that because that, that's what they have Yeah, they got a dollar seventy five in their pocket and there's not food to eat so you're like oh, okay we're all eating honey buns and Free, you know those curly. What are those? The squiggly Fritos. Um, the the rate the racing car Fritos. Oh no, I don't know. Not chili I Fritos. No, 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 Fritos. The 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 ones that like curl. They look like pastas. The squiggly oh, the Fritos. Yeah, but they got like rally. They like race car Fritos. I don't know. Whatever those you eat those get two bags of those and a, and a honey bun set. Mm. Especially like a honey bun with icing on it. Mm. God, don't even start. Don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> God, you had one of them in a while. Oh, that's orgasmic. Yeah. I, if I had a, if I had an icing honey bun right now, I need yeah. to smoke I had, a cigarette I and go had to sleep. One, uh, I had one like a couple days ago. Oh my god, thing of chocolate milk. Oh my god, yeah, I need to lay down. <laughs> I just lay down, smoke a cigarette. It's like sex. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff right there. Oh. <laughs> Microwave it for about fifteen seconds. Yep. You're good to go. Yeah, it's all soft. Uh, 
Uh, mm. One thing is he says it in here too. I remember um, he calls them his babies, like on kids. Yeah, he's like okay. these are my babies. Like, he really loves kids, you know. Yeah. So he said, uh, "My babies are taking care of their younger siblings." Uh, said Cook in an interview with CBS last month. Their parents are either working hard and kind of, uh, kind of taking these odd jobs here and there, or their parents are not there at all. Cook said the programs were possible due to donations from the community and alumni, which I didn't even know, you know, high school people were considered alumni. I have not given a dime to my, my high school either ever. <laughs> Haven't gotten a letter even to, to ask for it, but I've not given a dime to my high school, yeah. but I guess I am an alumni of a high school. I graduated from it, but nobody's yeah. asked me for nothing. Yeah. Uh, due to his tireless commitment to his students, the nation, uh, the nationally recognized educator has appeared on the Ellen show and inspired other schools to make, to take similar steps to improve their learning environments. Um, so shout out to Akbar Cook. Just he really, I really have this. I really have a belief system that is very much rooted in some of the stuff that I feel like he's doing, which is these impoverished communities need a different curriculum. Mm. You you can't just go. Here's the mispat. Here's this score. This test. This standardized test. There's other things that these kids need besides. That you so you can't just treat them in like every every other school. Yeah. I feel like trade programs need to be brought back. I feel like programs like Akbar Cook is don't things need to be addressed that other schools don't need to address. Like a kid can't learn if he's hungry. Mm-hmm. A kid can't learn if when he walks in the room, all, all the kids are like, he stinks. Yeah. Ugh. You know those kind of things, especially at that age. You know, twelve to fifteen, you're all self conscious, and that's another thing you have to deal with is people being like making fun of you. Like you're especially the especially now with social media. Oh my god, man. I, I would, you know, all these movies come out where, you know, a guy, person wakes up and it's like, oh man, I'm 14 again. I would die. Like if I just woke up and I'm 14 and it's 2020, oh my, I would be so out of the loop. You know, you get Snapchat messages and Instagram DMs. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I don't envy these kids at all. But Akbar Cook is putting in place programs that address the at-home problems that allow the kids to be able to even focus on doing these tests or whatever. It's like it's like they have so many walls to kick down before they can even focus on sitting down and filling in, scribbling in A, B, or C. It's like, I, I, my my brother's hungry. Yeah, Not he, me. My brother, my little brother is hungry. Yeah, man, that guy's different. Um, I'm, I'm guessing he doesn't get paid for. Oh, he's a principal. He definitely gets paid. I mean, he, well, okay, his salary. Oh, for what he's. Different. I'm saying his salary must be different for him to take his these. money from what I've, what it seems like. And maybe this notoriety has changed things. But when it first kicked off, I'm sure a lot of whatever money he was earning was going back into the school. Which but I is mean, the, for which, him to do this on a, like, not during the school year. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. And yeah. he gets, as a principal, he still gets paid. Because, you know, teachers don't get paid after. When they yes, yes, summertime. in the summertime. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's different for him to. Because I, I was about to say, is he doing this and, like, He's he's not getting paid right now. I don't know how the principal's salary yeah. works. Even if he's donating his time, it's, but that is, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's dedication. You want you want the kids yeah, to su- I, you want yeah. the kids to succeed, man. Yeah. That's that's there's something absolutely beautiful about that, and I I applaud that, and I absolutely respect that. And you're right. As far as I know, I have friends and family members that are teachers, and when summertime comes, you got to find another job yeah. unless you do good with your money and you can just take the summer off. But also, even during the school year, if you want your kids to have anything that's not on the curriculum, you want to do this, that, or the third, that's your money that you're going to go spend. Yeah. If you go into Walmart to get a bunch of composition notebooks or any of those kind of stuff, that's coming out of your pocket. I be a teacher. So I'm sure a lot of the money that he's spending or that he's earning is going back into the school that he's putting right back into it. If he's feeding kids, whatever it is. But yeah. I like to think that because he's gained national attention and notoriety, he's he's receiving more donations and things like that. I like to hope, but I don't know. 
So that's hope. So shout out to Akbar Cook. That was my good vibes. I'm going to pass it to you if you're um, ready to uh, inspire the people on uh, this, the week of the passing of the Black yeah. Mamba. Um, okay. I heard a car going off. I thought it was mine. Yeah, yeah so they, my... It could um, be. I don't know. So my good vibes this week is um, in Denver, Colorado, the price of housing housing continues to rise, but opportunity opportunities to create low-income housing are expensive and takes years to build. Okay. So when the quality in suites in Quebec Street went up for sale, the president of the the Colorado Coalition of the Homeless, which is the CCH, saw a golden opportunity. John Provensky snapped up snapped up the 139 room complex for how guess how much? 139 rooms? Yeah. 1.7 M's. 8.4 M's? Yeah. Ooh. 8.4 million. Oh, that's a that's a that's a uh, that, yeah, that, that's an investment. Yeah. Um secured with a mixture of private, city and state funds and completed some brief renovations before um christening in Fusion Fusion Studios. So Fusion Studios serving a variety of people in the represents the 17th building he is he has opened in 3 decades of work. Rooms are ex- expected to be available for the people who come right in off the street from shelters across the city and as soon as the end of the month. Mm. For renters, vouchers can be secured by prospective tenants from the state and city to ensure that no no more than 30% is required from their um, incomes for rent. So like Section 8? Yeah. Oh, okay. So Pravinsky said on average, tenants can manage about $100, $100 a month with a lot of a lot of it coming from other benefits such as disability payments received. Mm. The floor and room plan is divided up by a person's circumstances rather than by size and luxury. 28 rooms will be set aside for those awaiting trial for low-level crimes like a public urination and trespassing, which is ridiculous. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> another 10 are, are reserved for homeless folks who find themselves frequenting Denver public hospitals. And oh, that. Um, speaking of that, that's like I see that a lot. Um, when you're in, in the hospitals, homeless people. Yeah, like they go in there if they in there for some reason they just try to stay, just sleep, just be in like the cafeteria or something and just be knocked out. Really? Yeah, I see that a lot when I go. Like when uh, Max was born, I went down. It was like late. It was probably like one. I went down to get some snacks or whatever, and it was just like two of them just KO and just just really yeah. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's, that's the that's thing. That's crazy. Yeah, man, that's the thing. Like, um, this country really needs to come to terms with um, there's an epidemic of homeless people. And places like San Francisco and San Diego, which are these beautiful places, have a lot of homeless people there. Mm. And I think people treat it like, God, man, there's so many homeless people. Get them out of here. Yeah. But it's like, there's going to be, you move those homeless people, homeless people still exist. Yeah. Other homeless people will come. We need to solve homelessness, not just homelessness, not just like move them away from this nice neighborhood. Yeah. We need to try to help them not be homeless anymore. Yeah. Because there's just going to be more homeless people. So for individuals looking to move on to other forms of affordable and permanent housing um, or who have housing currently being constructed for them, another 25 rooms have been set aside. Britta Fisher, head of Denver's housing department, called Fusion Studios practically instant housing. Mm. We all know that we need more housing units that we need that we need quickly. She told um, Den- Denver it uh, during Tuesday's opening ceremony. I truly hope we can replicate this this model and partnerships at other cities. I mean, other sites in Denver. So they just trying to build this 
It's like a, a homeless apartment this, complex. Yeah, and they trying to get other buildings in the city, and which is I'm, I like because they they getting funding from the city for sure to help do this. Yeah. which is, I think it's cool that the city is like approving this to let them do that. Yeah, if you want, if you if do you don't it. want homeless people in front of your nice restaurants and all this kind of stuff, help. You know, I, I don't think that's a crazy thing to give them somewhere to go. Yeah. You know, but I think it's cool that to, to, to see that opportunity and just go to see it and be like, we should buy this and. Have this yeah. this plan to do this and just set well, aside a homeless community. I think it's and I then it's, it's not awesome. a homeless community. Then they're not homeless anymore. Yeah. And if they partnered up with that other good vibes you did a couple months ago of like they furnish the they furnish they give people housing and then they furnish it. Yeah. They partner with them. You get a dope little apartment complex that gives you gives you something to want to not be homeless. Maybe go get a job at Royal Farms or you know Wegmans or something. Yeah. I don't know. You know, go get you a job at the Piggly Wiggly and you know. <laughs> Get you, get you. I don't know. I don't know people. What are low income jobs? Yeah. All those jobs are being fucking automated. Yeah. I'm fucking walking to Royal Farms. You want me to ring up my Fiji water? When? What? Where? You know, you walk into the Royal Farms and it's just they have just scanners now. No. No. What Royal Farms you been to? All of them. No. I there's I've walked into at least three Royal Farms now. It's just one person on the last register that is just there to make sure you don't get in confused uh-huh. but they got me doing their doing the job you Putting bring my up your own, own stuff bring my own shit up put the fiji in the bag like at a grocery at store like, like, a, like a self-checkout yeah man self-checkout is taking over everywhere man, man i go to work farms every day it's, that one is not like that maybe well, it's they, the new they, ones they, yeah it's coming they're doing a lot of reconstruction it's coming man wow you want to walk in there one day and it's gonna be like would you like to do this job for free maybe they can go automate mail delivery so i can uh, quit you say that, man. That should happen one day. You gonna be sick. No, I won't. I'll be wait. I'll be out of there waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking robot, drone. I am Franbot two thousand. Nice weather. That's the thing. Those robots, they can't. The small talk, man. I, yeah. I take that for granted. I took that for granted, I guess. And now it's not as like prevalent as it used to be. But sometimes, you know, you you go in, get you a payday and a Fiji, and people go, "Oh man, you see the game last night." That yeah. little interaction. It's your little, that might be your only little human interaction for the day. Yeah. And now it's gone. Now you just walk in, boop, boop, put your own stuff in the bag, put your money in the little thing, walk out, not yeah. not to have it interactive with anybody, do that at McDonald's, everything McDonald's, else. Yep. And like, shit, you McDonald's, don't even talk to anybody. You screen at McDonald's now. Now imagine somebody that eats McDonald's every day. You don't even have to talk to somebody. Yeah. You go to work at your job where you work on an assembly line and don't talk to anybody, leave work, go to McDonald's where you don't talk to anybody, and then go home and watch TV where you don't talk to anybody. Yeah. That is depressing. Yeah. Not People me, live though. like that, man. I go up to the cash register. Can I get my chocolate chip cookies and my milkshake, please? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so you still are eating the McDonald's after everything I said? Cookies and milkshake, yeah. It's delicious. Well, even, their, even their cookies, I don't trust, man. Why? <laughs> Genetically modified cookie. That's not even, they are hella sugary, though, but they're delicious. Cookie. It's not even cookie you eating. It's like lamb back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll keep eating it. <laughs> I'm not eating the cheeseburger, so, hey. Touche. <laughs> Aren't you? Says the guy that used to eat McGame Bangs. Now right, man, I can't look, eat you don't have to bring up my past, man. That's a that was old me. Yeah, sure. I don't live that way anymore. I care about. I guarantee myself. if I bring a McGame Bang in here, you will eat it. Well, don't don't tempt me like that. Don't bring I'm that into my. It's not welcome in here. Don't just don't just assume. I think I'm but you know, yeah. In a past life, I did enjoy a McGang Bang and in my in my heathen days, you deserve one with extra mac sauce. I think you, you know. Deserve one. No, I deserve better than that. I love myself. I deserve better than McGang Bangs. And we all deserve better than McGang Bangs. Don't don't sell yourself short, folks out there. You deserve better than a McGang Bang. Everybody do what Grubhub deliver for um 
McDonald's door. Uh, you can't get a McGang Bang. That's a secret menu item. What you do is you. I'm not even gonna tell you how to. I'm not even gonna tell y'all how to kill yourself like that. How you do it? Let everybody know so they can go get one. They can try. You still. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a, 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 a advisory okay. warning. Don't eat this. <laughs> Why? Because it's you'll die. It's terrible. For you <laughs> still alive? Yeah. It took a lot of work, man, to get for me to get here. I, I partially blame McDonald's for my ruptured Achilles. You know, it's just you know, what? Look, man, I'm not gonna get into it. It's lawsuits being filed. I'm not gonna. You know, we we okay. you know, we can't speak on hot mics about open cases. You okay, know, so you're but right. but you know the, the the lawsuits are there. Okay. A Mc a McGangbang is you get a McDouble. Mm-hmm. You get a McChicken. Mm-hmm. You take the top bun off of the Mc off of the McDouble or yeah. the McChicken or both. Mm-hmm. You combine them, boom, fusion dance. Now you have the cheese from the McDouble on top of the cheese from. Well, you don't get it. I get a McChicken with cheese, so it's double cheese. That's gross. <laughs> that's another. That's another level, though. Y'all, y'all aren't, y'all aren't there yet. But I, I get a McDouble with Mac sauce, a McChicken. I take the top bun off each, combine, smash, and fuse them. Yeah, oh, wait, just as I know. McChickens don't come with cheese. No, they don't come. So you, you get cheese. Ask, you you got to ask to put with cheese. With cheese. McChicken with cheese. So you get Fucking the double cheese. cheese, but that's next level. I'm not coming. Y'all shouldn't come out of the gates like that. That's advanced shit right there. Mm-hmm. So you get the McChicken, McDouble. Take the top bun off each, smash them. Then either take the McChicken wrapper or the McDouble wrapper, depending on how you did it. I like to wrap it back up nice and tight, and I put a library book. It has to be from a library. <laughs> A nice thick book, like a like some kind of encyclopedia or something like that, to really put some weight on it. I put the book on top of that. You let that sit for like a minute thirty. Let it sit for like a minute thirty. Then once you're done, you put that on a paper plate, put it in the microwave for thirty seconds. Unwrap that, make gangbang. That is so gross. But man. don't eat it though. <laughs> I don't. I'm in a different space in my life. I would never eat that now. But you in a, a different what? Different space. Oh, different, I'm, different, I'm in a different space in my life. I would never eat a McGangbang now. But at a point in my life, you know, the McGangbang was the move. That is. So uh, gross, but that being said, don't eat a McGangbang. <laughs> don't ever eat it. You're better than that. I, I want more for you than that. But I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in True Crime Friends. So Evans, rest in peace to Kobe hey, Bryant and everybody who's um, passed away on yeah. that um, on that on the helicopter crash and you know um anybody who's still having a hard time with it it's, it's gonna pass man it's just, it's just still a little shocking a little jarring but you know we'll, people get through it and and prayers to vanessa bryan and his other three children and yeah man I, I don't wish that on anybody man that's a tough thing to come back from but um hopefully she has some good people in her corner and and, and prayers and and and, and you know, time heals all wounds uh but uh, we'll see you guys next week Jesus. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 